Well, what a privilege it is um, to welcome you here on this Memorial Day weekend. It is always a joy just to stand before you and to um, greet you and to let you know that we're so delighted that we're a part of your extended family. If you're new here this morning, we often say you can only be a stranger once. And so um, this is your last Sunday to be a stranger. You're part of our extended family now, so praise God for that. So I have a question for you as we begin here this morning. Why was six afraid of seven? Because seven, eight, nine. Got you with me? I, I thought that was hilarious. And some of you are still thinking about it. Listen, why was six afraid of seven? Because seven, eight, nine. Pastor Dave gave me that. And uh, I thought that was just so, just blessed me this morning. And so I thought I would share it with you. But in no place in the book of Daniel is that joke more true than where we find ourselves this morning. Because when we look at Daniel 7, you're going to see four monsters in the text. And these monsters do, the implication is, they consume, they're beasts, they're monsters, they they have a ravenous appetite, they're protecting their turf and territory. And of course what we come to find out as we study this is that Daniel gives to us a, uh, a broad scope of human history and the various empires of the world, world-dominating empires, and it culminates in a fourth and final empire, which is going to be our focus here this morning. But um, as we look at this, uh, this morning, I would like just to read through um, the whole passage of Daniel chapter 7, it's like 28 verses, and it's such an important passage, we're going to be here for a few Sundays anyway. And so if I don't explain or address the particular verse that you're interested in, that's okay. Just, just come back because I'll eventually touch on every verse and explain every verse in the passage. So Daniel 7 is a, is a critical passage. It's the sequence. It's probably the most important dream sequence in the Bible uh, because it outlines so, so powerfully the flow of human history. And so we're going to read um, Daniel 7, 1 through 28, and then we're going to focus on verses 2 and verse 8. And this is, this is a passage that talks about the fourth empire of human history. And this fourth empire will culminate in a, in a uh, world ruler known as the Antichrist. And this will, the world will be desperate for leadership. And I don't know really, as you look at our world today, I think we, that's true. We're desperate for leadership in our world. And so um, we'll look at this this morning and then as well... Um, Uh, Daniel chapter 7 functions, three or four important functions from this chapter. And so we'll look at the the, why Daniel 7 is so powerful in the life of Daniel and the lives of other people. And then we need to look at a worldview that's being championed today by uh, an organization called the World Economic Forum, or WEF. Not a lot of people know about that, but they're becoming more prominent. Um, It's really, really interesting how they espouse a non-biblical worldview on a, on a number of issues, and they're not shy about the, the worldview that they're espousing, and it's, and it's playing into your life in more ways than you realize. Um, some of their key phrases are climate change, social justice, digital ID, privacy invasion, social credits, hijacking religion, smart cities and surveillance state, cyber attacks. You're going to hear these kinds of phrases 
and words and verbiage used when it comes to discussing this all-important topic. And it's so critical because, as I said before, I see a beast rising. And when we see Daniel 7, you see these four beasts rising. And I look around today and all that I've read about prophecy and studied prophecy, I see a beast rising. I'm not saying anybody's the Antichrist. I'm not saying that. We don't know who Antichrist is. But we know his spirit, according to 1 John. We know his spirit. We know how he operates, the things, the important guiding principles of his life. And so uh, we'll be looking at that. And then um, I have to share with you this morning, out of all the different things that we have shared in this series about, um, you know, uh, live your life, stamp your child, draw your line, you know, all those little catchphrases and bylines for all the sermons. Uh, the bylines that I would have for you this morning is uh, one of them is to quiet your panic. And because there is a worldview in the world operating that once it thrives off of chaos and panic and fear. And so I would just say, quiet your panic. It's going to be okay. God's got this. And then the second um, really propositional statement here, the byline for this message and some of the other messages I'll have in Daniel 7 is to um, resist a rogue government. And typically, um, when I talk about Jeremiah and Daniel and some of the other prophets, they talk about how we are to live in a captive state, even though we're living in the lion's den, the people of God in exile, we're to love our city, we're to invest in our city, we're to do, be great employees, great neighbors in our city, all these things. But I have to very realistically share with you this morning, there will come a time in the fourth empire, in the fourth kingdom, where you'll have to resist your rogue government. You won't, have, you won't be able to go along with it. Because they're going to take you down a path that will destroy your spiritually, it'll destroy your family, it'll destroy your, your life and your livelihood. There's going to come a time in human history where you have to resist your rogue government, not just uh, be, uh, uh, concede the point uh, to the government and surrender to the government. And that's why these beasts are so ravenous in Daniel chapter 7 is because they will demand compliance and people refuse to give that and there'll be a price to pay. And so it's really my agenda items this morning are huge for Memorial Day weekend, but this is where, our, where we come to here this morning in Daniel 7. And I just want to just right up front share with you that no matter um, how much we study this and what all we consider and all the different perspectives of this, that ultimately all of history is taking you to one primary place. And that is the feet of Jesus. Our passage takes you there. And I don't know what kind of beastly elements are at work in your life this morning. I don't know what beasts may be arising in your life that we see here in Daniel 7. And the chaos from that. I don't know. But what I can tell you is that there is only one option that's going to see you through the crisis and the chaos. And that's Jesus and history brings you to his feet and really the gospel emphasizes that it's important that we get there sooner than later and so maybe you came to church today to hear me say that very thing the 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 alternative to chaos is more chaos without jesus but with jesus you and i have hope we have new beginning um, we have restoration we have a new worldview to live by. 
and that can set us up for human flourishing and thriving when we look at life and, and view life the way he asks us to see it. And so I would nudge you that direction this morning. So in Daniel chapter 7, like I said, uh, the book of Daniel deals with the revelation of Antichrist who brings the world into a full state of, re of rebellion against God. And then the book, of, the book of Revelation, on the other hand, is a revelation of the true Christ who defeats all rebellion. And so both books deal with the end of the world. So by necessity, like I said, we're going to be in Daniel 7 for a few Sundays. And uh, one of the most profound dream sequences of the Bible is recorded here in Daniel 7. It's so intense that an angel was needed to interpret it for Daniel. And here's the guy that's been interpreting dreams all through the book of Daniel. And now he needs help because this is so intense of what God is revealing to him. It's a vision of four great twisted beasts. They come up out of the sea. Three of them bear resemblance to an animal. The fourth is so grotesque, sprouting horns, and one horn of which is singled out for special mention. These monsters are so huge. They're raging. They're boiling. They're, they're coming out of a troubled sea of humanity. They represent four superpowers. And Daniel has this nightmare of a scary primeval sea with a roaring sovereign wind blowing over it and these beasts arise out of the sea one by one and then in the middle of all of that you've got a throne that Daniel sees and a ruler is on the throne and there's millions of attendants and this ferocious monster this culmination of all human empires of rebellion it, this this monster this fourth beast that defies description that there is no animal um, image or metaphor to associate with it because it's so grotesque so monstrous it is eventually judged and defeated and all of history is leading you like I said to this one place and that is to the feet of the son of man in our passage and it's our job to stay faithful to the king and to resist the allure and trickery of the beast like I said, we don't know who Antichrist is, but we know his spirit, and Daniel reveals that to us. If we look on the screen, and if you would just follow along with me, and in fact, let me just show you a couple of slides um, before I read through this passage. It will help you immensely. If we go to slide number eight, slide number eight, what you're going to see is basically the book of uh, the chapter, this particular chapter, Daniel 7. He's going to talk about four beasts in verses 1 through 8. He's going to talk about the Ancient of Days in verses 9 through 12. And then the Son of Man in verses 13 through 14. And then the angel is going to help him with the interpretation of what he just saw. And so Daniel's distress in verse 15. You have a general interpretation of 16 through 18. A fuller interpretation of the dream and really a nightmare of these beasts in verses 19 through 27. And then you've got Daniel's response in verse 28. And that's how Daniel chapter 7 lays out. If we go to uh, slide number 21, slide 21, you have different renditions of this. This is just an artist's rendition of the beasts that are described here in Daniel 7. If we go to slide number 23, you're going to see that these beasts are analogous to the statue of Daniel 2. Uh, those of you who have been with me for a while in this series, you know that Daniel 2 talks about the four empires, and it's an image of a, of a man like this, okay? 
and, and, the, and the man is divided up into different sections and portions, and each of those sections and portions stand for a world empire, which is what you see on the right. That's Daniel 2. When we get to Daniel 7, what we see is are all those same world empires in Daniel 2, except they are seen from God's and Daniel's perspective. In Daniel 2, it's a statue, it's majestic metals, it's values, and so on and so forth. All right, the valuable metals and things. But by the time we get to Daniel 7, it's the same historical flow of world empires, but God looking at it, Daniel looking at it, says these things are beastly. They're beastly. They are chaotic. They are about consuming. They're about destroying. It's, it's about uh, protecting your territory. All these animals are going to protect their territory. They're going to scratch and claw, crush and, and divide and abolish anybody that stands in their way. And so we'll get into some of that as we uh, progress through this, um, really a mini-series in Daniel 7. So if we go to slide number 27, what you're going to see here is uh, one of the horns on the fourth beast. It's, uh, a, a human-like characteristics are attributed to it. God looks like a cone head, doesn't he? And so uh, my, my kids looked like that when they were after they were born. Not quite that bad. But uh, similar, you know, they got the little cone head thing going. Um, praise God for flexible skulls. That's good. Uh, but uh, that's kind of the Daniel's presentation. The little horn is the first mention of Antichrist in the Old Testament. And there's about 100 passages that talk about Antichrist. And, uh, and there's four places in the New Testament the actual term is used, Antichrist. And this is what how Daniel describes him starting out. He's a little horn, he's a nobody, and he grows and grows and begins to take over uh, much of the influence of the world. And so when we look at this, now we go, okay? Now we go. Now you're ready. Daniel 7, let's just read through all 28 verses um, quickly here. In the, and, and again, I'm going to be coming back to these things. I can't explain them all this morning. We're going to look at verses 2 and 7 and 8 in particular here this morning. But in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, on the screen, Daniel had a dream and visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me were, were four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion, and it had the wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a human being, and the mind of a human was given to it. And there were before me was a second beast which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. And after that I looked and there before me was another beast, a third beast, one that looked like a leopard and on its back it had four wings like those of a bird. This beast had four heads and it was given authority to rule. After that in my vision at night I looked and there before me was a fourth beast terrifying and frightening and very powerful and notice there's no animal metaphor here it's so it's beyond the metaphoric and the Im and the imagery it's so unlike it's grotesque it's a monstrosity it has large iron teeth it's it's crushing and devouring its victims and trampling underfoot whatever was left it was different from all the other former beasts it had and it had 10 horns while i was thinking about the horns there before me was another horn, a little horn, 
a little one which came up among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. And this horn had eyes like the eyes of a human being and a mouth that spoke boastfully. And as I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. And then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. And I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. And the other beasts had been stripped of their authority but were allowed to live for a period of time. And in my vision at night I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit, and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. I approached one of those standing there and asked him the meaning of all this. And so he told me, he gave me the interpretation of these things. The four great beasts are four kings that will rise from the earth. But the holy people of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. And then I wanted to know the meaning, Daniel says, of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others and most terrifying, with its iron teeth and bronze claws, the beast that crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. I also wanted to know about the ten horns on its head. And about the other horn that came up before which there three of them fell, the horn that looked more imposing than the others and that had eyes and a mouth that spoke boastfully. And as I watched, this horn was waging war against the holy people and defeating them and until the Ancient of Days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the holy people, the Most High, and the time came when they possessed the kingdom. He gave me this, this explanation. The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear on earth. It will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth, trampling it down and crushing it. The ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. And after them another king will arise, different from the earlier ones. He will subdue three kings. He will speak against the Most High. He will oppress His holy people and try to change the set times and the laws. The holy people will be, will be delivered into the hands for a time, times and half a time. But the court will sit, and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. And then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will worship and obey him. This is the end of the matter. I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts, and my face turned pale, and I kept the matter to myself. Daniel chapter 7. Wow. Take a breath. That's a lot of information, isn't it? That's a lot of cryptic explanations and imagery. And what I want to focus here on this morning, because there's no way we can take it all on in one sermon. But what I want you to see this morning is as we focus on this fourth kingdom, or the culmination of all human empires... And, and when Revelation talks about this same beast, it takes 
and, it, and it's a composite of these four beasts of Daniel. Uh, John writes in Revelation 13, he writes about a beast, and he takes all these elements of these world empires in rebellion against God, and he rolls them over into a composite picture of a great final culminating kingdom that is going to rebel and that's going to leave the earth and leave all the inhabitants of the earth, Revelation says, in a period of rebellion against their creator and their God. And it's so important that we understand that this, this rebellion, this confederation of ten world leaders who will encompass the same territory as a historic Roman Empire, okay? They will encompass that. And of these ten, one will rise up, conquer three of them, and this one will be, grow into this role of the Antichrist. And you're going to like him. The world's going to love him, according to the Bible. Antichrist will provide vaccine solutions for everybody's virus. Antichrist will provide the Bitcoin solutions for our economic woes. Antichrist will, will take care of supply chain solutions and will bring all the world religions together, thus reducing the threat of global terrorism. He'll be a master, a political mastermind. He'll have a false prophet as his assistant, and they will implement digital ID or a, a digital ID type of mark of the beast the Bible talks about. And he will convince you, they will convince you to fall in line and to walk according to the new principles of economic principles to help pull the world out of its spiral. He'll direct a sweeping global economic program and in a way it'll be a hostile takeover of the economy and you'll have to have digital ID to participate in it, to sell stuff, to buy stuff to get financing, to get hired, to shop online, to be admitted to the hospital. What's your digital ID? This is a worldview, a sinister worldview that's in, at work and in play in the world today. See, we're given a vision in Daniel 7. And like I said, when Daniel sees these kingdoms of the world, they are animal-like. They're scraping for territory, they're destructive, they're divisive, they're angry, they're cruel. And they're revol revolting to look at. And, and when world empires come together without God, it's power without conscience. A country becomes mad without God and truth. They become mad and insane. We, they, they can't tell you what gender is. Uh, uh, they can't tell you what justice is. They can't tell you what family is, what marriage is. A world without God becomes insane and disoriented and they conquer and they devour and compassion disappears under the ruthless lust for domination. And like I said, by the time we get to Revelation, John merges all of these beasts into a composite monster called a beast. And this beast rules the world. Iron teeth devouring, breaking pieces of its victim, crushing underfoot whatever is left. It's interesting as we look at this, and we, if you would, just go to verses um, 6 and 7 for me, back to verse 6 and 7. If we just hasten to, of course, John uh, or Daniel begins this dream by seeing this uh, in verse 2. Um, he looks, and there's before him four winds of heaven churning up the great sea, right? 
there's social revolution, there's the passions of humanity are out of control, there's havoc, they're spreading cruelty, they're, it's all fueled by gender ideology, redefinitions of marriage, the idol of power, um, fueled by wokeism that controls every decision, now it's bleeding into the economics and how we view economics. It's a picture of how this fourth empire is going to look and what it's going to feel like in the world. Daniel writing in 550 B.C., 600 B.C., saw the, saw the whole picture. And he begins to write for us what it's going to look like in the great fourth and final empire of the world. Masses of people, nations in unrest, turbulence, waters emerging uh, forth, and, and four twisted animal monsters coming out of human history growing political divisiveness, fiscal cliffs we're jumping off of, school shootings, attacks on constitutional freedoms, unrestrained, degrading morality, terrorist threats, nations in turmoil, Christians under attack, natural disasters. It's Daniel's raging sea of Daniel 7. I see a beast rising. I see it. Pieces coming together. I see it. A beast is rising. We see this. Daniel uh, writes so well on this. And like I said, we're going to take our time with some of these verses I've laid out for you this morning. Other messages. Today I want to focus on the fourth beast and the leader of the fourth kingdom of the world. Verse 7, after that, in my vision at night I looked and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. And if its, if its teeth missed you, then it stomps you to death. It was different from all the former beasts, and it had ten horns. This final government that's hostile toward God will devalue human beings in an incredible way. Slaughter them even in the womb. And call it right and good and a constitutional right. Whatever the fourth beast or kingdom is. And for however long this fourth kingdom exists, the final phase of the fourth empire is a ten kingdom alliance. Ten nations coming together, constituting a kind of a Roman Empire type of revival where it encompasses all that the Roman Empire used to be. Verse 8 says, While I was thinking about the horns, and a horn suggests strength, right? So these authorities or kingdoms, the, the, they are reigning simultaneously. And while I was thinking about the horns, verse 8, Daniel says, that The horn is the focus of strength and power. You see a rhinoceros, the strength is in the horn, right? And so Daniel picks up on that. These are sources of power and strength and therefore before me was another horn a little one one ruler rises above all the rest and becomes the antichrist the global leader that everybody wants to help solve our problems this is what the end of the gentile world dominion looks like he starts small there's no big splash and he comes up among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. And so three of the ten horns are conquered by this little eleventh horn. And they're uprooted, uprooted by this upstart 
ruler and leader, and it begins, and this horn begins to speak great things. The horn had eyes like the eyes of a human being and a mouth that spoke boastfully. This horn is on the beast is human-like, eyes like a man, it says, mouth speaking, he's proud. And Daniel 7 is the very first mention of what the Antichrist will be like in the final stages of the final world empire of, of the final chapters of human history. The word anti, as in antichrist, the word anti means instead of Christ or against Christ. And so he'll be against Christ, but he will pass himself off as a kind of Christ. Paul the apostle calls him in 2 Thessalonians, the lawless one, the man of sin, the son of perdition. Daniel, again, is the first guy to speak about him very explicitly and comprehensively. In Daniel 8, and this is important, church, in Daniel 8, the Antichrist is called the king of fierce countenance. In Daniel 9, he is called a prince that shall come. In Daniel 11, he is called the willful king. But it all refers to the same individual. He is the final world ruler of the final form of the final kingdom of the Gentiles. And Christ's kingdom doesn't come until after that. But he's an a political mastermind. And Daniel was focused on it. And we're going to look at it a little more as we progress through these chapters in Daniel. At the end of verse 8, he says, he has a mouth speaking great things. In verse 20, he has a mouth that spoke very great things. And some of them, verse 25, are great words against the Most High God. And so he has this oratorical ability to convey things and to say things. And John says in Revelation 13, 5, he says the same thing. He had a mouth speaking great things. If you make a broad sweep of the Bible, you'll come away with a very unique picture of the Antichrist and the world leader. Again, I don't know who he is, but I know what he is. I don't know his name and identity and ethnicity. I know he's not a Jew because of his he comes out of a Gentile seas, chaotic Gentile seas, as, John, as Daniel writes about here. But I know his spirit. I know his spirit. And you're going to, you, you know, there's several things we see when we look at this survey of the Antichrist in the Bible. First thing we see is he will be wanted. He will be wanted and not rejected. People are hungry and are anxious for leadership. They will follow anybody who gives them a solution. Anybody who can rescue the retirement savings that's been, that's been decimated by a, a, an economic downturn. Anybody who can restore that. Anybody who can come up with a vaccine that, that, that somehow is a cure-all for the pestilence and the viruses. Anybody who can provide solutions to the crime rate and overcrowding and climate change and race relations. We will give up our freedoms if that person will just take away our fear. That's Antichrist. Antichrist will be appealing, not repulsive. He's instead of Christ. That's what anti means. He talks about love and justice and prosperity in eloquent ways. He'll sound like Jesus, but he'll use religion to deceive the religious. Antichrist will be super, not ordinary, but super ordinary. His abilities will inspire people. He may even recover from a major assassination attempt. 
for a pseudo-resurrection. And once in power, he'll turn, our, he'll turn on our nations. He'll conquer the three nations. And you'll see his true nature. He will make a covenant with Israel, break that covenant. He'll try to annihilate Israel yet again. We know this from Revelation and Daniel. So he will be one and not rejected. He will be appealing, not repulsive. He will be super, not ordinary. He will be a Gentile, not a Jew. And, of course, the C is a symbol for Gentile nations in the Bible consistently across the board. And this, this C that Daniel sees gives, yields these Gentile, non-Jewish rulers. And so he will be someone in the world at large. Here's what I'm convinced of. And one pastor calls this passage in the Bible the jungle book. Daniel wants us to hold a clear realism about life in this world. And he wants these beasts to scare you. He wants these beasts to impact you. He doesn't want you just walking out of the church today and not not thinking about everything you've heard. That's why he's so vivid. I remember when I was a kid, I was born in 68. A movie came out in 72. I guess we got like three channels on our TV in those days. And that was with aluminum foil and and coat hangers. Okay? We got three. And the movie comes out, uh, I think it was something about gargoyles, right? It came out in 72. I Googled it uh, this week because I was curious. But that movie scared the bejeebies out of me. And I was like, you know, in single digits, they about, what, six or seven years of age. All I can see is those gargoyle hands coming up from under the, the bed. Y- any of you ever have an experience like that where you see a scary movie and it, it, it scars you for your childhood? Okay? Anybody ever been there? Yeah, that was me. I think that what's happening, is Daniel creates these monsters, not necessarily meant to scar us, but to impact us so we cannot walk away without thinking about what he's just given. He wants to get your attention. Why does he want to get your attention? Because there's some issues at stake. There's some strange things going on in human government. He wants to make you aware of it, of where it's headed, what it all means. You know, something really is strange going on in the realm of global governance. And our one world government is not a conspiracy theory. Many world government officials are now wanting it and pushing for it. A beast is rising. There's a real spiritual sinister force at work in the world, and they are beast-like in nature. They are constantly at war with the Lord and his people. Slide number 69, if you would, for me. Slide 69, the World Economic Forum is one of the proponents of this worldview that I'll be sharing with you this morning. And this is not a conspiracy theory. You get on their website, they're right up front with what they want you to do, with the direction they want to take the globe. It's a conglomerate of people from around the world, from the entertainment industry and the global political arenas. Some even U.S. Congress members are a part of it. From the super wealthy to the entertainers to the political, people from all over the world, and they're meeting this week. 
in Davos, Switzerland, to discuss the Great Reset. The Great Reset. The Great Reset will, will require the deconstruction of existing national agendas and push the reset button for a global agenda. And the goal is to shape, to reset national agendas into one global agenda. And when you read through that and you study that, the WEF has beastly elements in it. Beastly elements in their worldview, overpopulation, climate is changing, reduce the carbon footprint. And the WEF is a is a front is a is a street presentation of economic warfare to ensure that their agenda continues it's a cover for the economic warfare it's not just policy and politics it's an agenda that they want to implement on the globe to see everything fall apart and then they can reshape it the way they want to to push fear and peddle tragedy world economic forum slide number 70 Klaus Schwab is one of the, is a chairman and leaders of this forum. And they will tell you the Great Reset is a reordering of social and economic priorities. It's a corporate takeover of global governance. Many corporations are in on it. The WEF partners include some of the biggest companies in oil, Shell, Chevron, BP, Food, Unilever, Coca-Cola Company, Nestle, Technology, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, Apple, YouTube, the pharmaceuticals, AstraZeneca, Pfizer, Moderna. They're all in partnership with the worldview of the World Economic Forum. And there's a reason. Even the Bill Gates, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is a part of this thing. And if you guys, Bill, you're ever watching this, Jesus loves you, man. Charles Klaus, sorry, Charles Klaus Schwab. Uh, I think I'm saying that correctly, the German Schwab. That Jesus loves you. But you can't usurp him. You can't arrogantly put our fist up in the face of God and say, no, no, we're going to shape the world the way we want to shape it. The Gates Foundation buying up farmland all over America. Don't sell your farm. There's a reason. BlackRock buying up homes in main cities, driving up prices, making home ownership harder. So you'll have to rent instead of own. All the corporations affecting our food, our data, our vaccines. The Great Reset actually means giving corporations more power over society and democratic institutions. And once the world is engineered through a collapse, the World Economic Forum will pose as the saviors of the world. They will offer a global digital ID, cashless society, social credit scores, food rationing due to climate change. That's their plan, and it's beastly. I see a beast rising. I see it rising. Climate change. Corporations can create or use a crisis to get you to bow to their demands. That's why climate change has to be the ongoing existential threat. It's how they control people and get them to subscribe and to bow the knee to the agenda. The WEF and this worldview, they need a crisis that supposedly imperils human life on our planet. And that if we're going to survive, we have to yield control of these large issues. So we have high gas prices, fueling limits, we got to go green. And some see the time coming when travel may not be allowed on certain days. Watch out for Sundays. 
The COVID mandates were a test, church. It was a test to see what you and I would do. The climate shifts constantly. Climate change isn't the hoax. The climate shifts constantly over decades and centuries, both up and down. The planet is a living thing. It adapts. The government policies and hype of climate change ending everybody, that's the hoax. And it's meant to drive you in fear and intimidation into compliance to doing things that you know in your instinct, in your mind, you should not do. Greta Thunberg, slide number 72. A teenager from Stockholm, Sweden, and a climate activist gave a speech in New York City on this topic. I shouldn't be up here, she said. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yet you come to us young people for hope. How dare you? Remember that on the, on the news? How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Listen. If you have been told by climate activists all your life that the world is on the verge of total collapse, Greta Thunberg is what you get. Create chronic fear of environmental doom, scare tactics, climate, climate hysteria. There is no climate emergency. Don't believe that. Of course we of course we care for the, client, uh, the, the, the earth, and, and earth care is good, and stewardship is good, absolutely needed. But if you think it's all going to end soon because of climate change, they got you. The beast got you. See, I see a beast rising. Daniel says, quiet your panic, church. No, 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 quiet your panic. Climate change. I see a beast rising. Social justice. A woke worldview destabilizes us socially as well as economically. Essentially what it means from the WF perspective is that we put social justice causes before profits, supply, and demand. And now this whole wokeism is filtering into our economy. The woke movement takes on many forms, and it's a takeover of the public order. It's the stirring of the seas of Daniel 7, verse 2. It's the, the, the sovereign winds that blow over the public order. Men must be removed from positions of authority in the new woke worldview. Boys must be retrained, retrained to, 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 see, to see strong manhood as toxic masculinity. Income must be taken and redistributed. Reason and logic must be opposed and supplanted by one's personal narrative or experience. Public spaces must be redone to accommodate the, the fluid gender identities and all the forms of personal identity or sexual orientations have to be affirmed without question as a reality. This is part of what it means to be woke. I see a beast rising. It's taught that America, this whole thing, was built on the back of racism. So the whole system needs to come down. Slide 67. The whole thing needs to come down. Redistribute power and resources to the victims of society. Become aware of yourself as an oppressed group. And then rise up against your oppressors. You see, I see a beast rising. I saw this. A couple weeks ago, I've been a Netflix subscriber for 
since uh, 2008. I canceled it. You watch, you read the book. That's how the, it goes. You you watch the movie, roughly how it goes. You do the video game. I don't do that, but roughly how it goes. But when you watch the Netflix adaptation, everything's being reinterpreted. And now you've got all these different woke ideologies that are that. I mean, I watched Anna Green Gables several times growing up, right, with our kids, our daughter, and everything. You watch Anna Green Gables Netflix version. It's a different story. I didn't know that character was in it. I didn't know that, that that particular thing was going on because it went woke. Go woke, go broke. Netflix was tanking. People see it. I see a beast rising. It's coming at you from all directions. And, all, and what I know on this Memorial Day weekend, you can say what you want about America. This thing was built on the back of racism. Okay, you can say all that you want to say, but what I know is there's 672 acres in Arlington, Virginia, that tells me of a different story. I'm not buying that this thing was built on the back of racism. Digital ID. The World Economic Forum released an article in January 2021 entitled How Digital Identity Can Improve Lives in Post-COVID-19 World. It describes how they are facilitating advancements in digital ID for financial services, employment, health, and travel. And the WEF is proposing a digital ID that will determine access to goods and services. They will monitor your online behavior. They will track your biometrics. Your ID will interact with all kinds of devices via the internet. Every kind of data imaginable will be saved and used. Your carbon footprint 24-7 will be tracked. If you fly, you buy a plane ticket, you fly, it tracks how much carbon emissions has happened because you, you, you bought that ticket. You'll only be allowed to buy so many tickets because your carbon footprint's getting too big. They want to track that. I see a beast rising. The WEF wants to eliminate carbon footprint, and guess what the carbon footprint ultimately comes back to? You. You and I are not made in the image of God. We're carbon footprints now. It's a worldview. I see a beast rising. The World Economic Forum will demand that you have a license for every activity you do. It'll be tied to your carbon footprint, which will be monitored with a tattoo, probably designed by Bill Gates. I see a beast rising. Privacy invasion. What are biometrics? Watch this video. Schwab's right-hand man. And COVID is critical because this is what convinces people to accept, to legitimize total biometric surveillance. We want to stop this epidemic. We need not just to monitor people, we need to monitor what's happening under their skin. What we have seen so far, it's corporations and governments collecting data about where we go, who we meet, what movies we watch. The next phase is the surveillance going under our skin. We now see mass surveillance systems established even in democratic countries, which previously rejected them. And we also see a change in the nature of surveillance. Previously, surveillance was mainly above the skin, 
Now it's going under the skin. Governments want to know not just where we go or who we meet, above all they want to know what is happening under our skin. What's our body temperature? What's our blood pressure? What, what is our medical condition? Now humans are developing even bigger powers than ever before. We are really acquiring divine powers of creation and destruction. We are really upgrading humans into gods. We are acquiring, for instance, the, the power to re-engineer life. Humans are now hackable animals. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. I mean, all this story about Jesus rising from the dead and being the son of God, this is fake news. And COVID is... Jesus rising from the dead, this is fake news, he says. The beast is rising. I'll say more about biometrics in another, another message. Social credits. What happens when the government doesn't like what you say or do? Access to services can be at, a, at the discretion of the government or private companies. Digital, having certain forms of digital identity is one thing, but we're being hurried, hurriedly corralled into a digital economy and digital society under the auspices of planning and preparing and healing from a pandemic. I'll tell you more about social credits, especially as that's happening in another country in the world. I'll talk to you a little bit more about hijacking religion in upcoming messages here in Daniel. Smart cities and surveillance state. I have to say that for another Sunday as well. That's happening. You would not believe what's happening in a surveillance state. We, are, we have moved into a surveillance state. No kidding. I was in a grocery store, and I went over and looked at a bottle of Cholula sauce. Okay, Cholula. Anybody else do Cholula on their eggs? Anybody? Nobody. Okay. Well, I'll stand alone here on this Memorial Day weekend. All right, listen, Cholula sauce, looked at it, put it back on the shelf, walked away, opened Instagram a little bit later and looked at my feed, and what do you think I saw? A bottle of Cholula sauce. Right in my feed. Surveillance state, it's happening, okay? Cyber attack, the World Economic Forum, right? They're championing this worldview I'm talking to you about this morning. Wealthy elites from the world, incredible wealth, incredible influence, governmental positions nested here and there. They talk about a cyber attack, and you've heard this. It's in, in the news, right? The hope and the goal in forming these corporate partnerships is accelerating a designed economic collapse. They'll blame it on Russia. They'll crash the economy, blame it on Russia, reset everything. American leadership in compliance, even willing to decimate its own economy to foster what? The Great Reset. This morning, there's going to come a time in your life when you're going to have to refuse the Great Reset. There's a lot of things that you're going to do in life. 
as you live in the lion's den, as you are the people of God in exile. But there will come a time, yeah, you will quiet your panic, but you will resist your rogue government. There'll be a time for that. Resist the great reset. Own your things. Be self-sufficient. Drive your car. Eat a steak for the glory of God. Marry and have a family. Love God. Have full privacy. Turn off all your devices and have conversations so you're not in reach of a speaker anywhere. Refuse to be told what to do. Refuse to be brainwashed. Refuse to be divided. Refuse the cashless society. Refuse the digital ID system. I don't want a digital ID. I don't want a social credit score. I don't want an electric car. I had a Prius once and that was enough. I had to take three miles just to pass somebody in that thing. I felt like Fred Flintstone. I had to help it. Come on, we got to get around the semi, man. Come on, let's go. Listen, I don't want to eat bugs. I don't want to be locked down. I don't want to rent a home. I'd rather own it. What do I want in life more than any other thing? I want to honor Jesus in everything. And honor his people and be faithful to him. Even when a government goes rogue, surrenders to big corporations, world economic view proponents and worldview adherents begin to push their agenda on the world. There comes a time, Daniel's uh, images of the beast imply it, you resist, you, re, you refrain, you abstain, you stand aside, you refuse to go along with. The great reset is a corporate takeover of global governance that affects our food, our data, and our vaccines. And here's what I'm going to share with you, and you know this. But if you call this out or stand for God's truth, be prepared to be labeled radical, racist, bigoted, hateful, ignorant, greedy. It's life in the lion's den. I see a beast rising. And I want to give you eyes to see it. You know, what if we were rapidly approaching the end of human history? What if we were in the final stages of the fourth empire of the world in Daniel's schema and, and recollection of the history of how things are going to go? You know, 10 years from now, if you have convictions about sex and gender, you may not be able to work for a major university or for the government, or for a big corporation. 25 million people in lockdown in Shanghai, policed by drones that have facial recognition. They give orders. People who go out on their balconies without their mask are fined directly from their accounts. Let's go to the year 2072. I probably won't be here. But some of your kids are going to be here. Christians in the USA are viewed by the government as health, justice, and climate threats. They've been forbidden to leave home for an extended period and are now starving because they refuse the mark. What the Bible so clearly offers to us, it gives us a very realistic view of the beastly elements 
of human government that can grow into something just grotesque and, and a monstrosity. But what it emphasizes more than any other thing when it comes to the end time events, don't look for Antichrist. Look for Christ himself. That's our focus. Are you worried about the future? A God who can map out the future is a God who can more than handle your, your present. Are you ready for God's court? The text says the court was seated and the books were opened. God holds the world accountable. When your life is evaluated, where will you stand? The beast, the Bible teaches us the beast is not just something out there. It's something that can live in here. In here. And we saw that just a few days ago. When an 18-year-old finds the prop door open, it takes the lives of 19 children and two teachers. It is a tragedy. It's heartbreaking. And probably what you did not read about is a man who was in the middle of a haircut. And he got a text from his wife. wife said there's an active shooter event in our school she's a fourth grade teacher and he has a second grader in the same school he's in the middle he's in the barber chair getting his hair cut mid cut gets up out of the chair you got it you have any weapons says to his barber I got a shotgun here it is take the shotgun let's go they hightail it over the elementary school I understand the law enforcement's there and they're working the situation, but he had credentials. He's a border patrol agent. And he begins to clear those classrooms one by one by one. He finally made it to his daughter. They got the embrace. She texted him, active shooter event. The next text was help. The final text was I love you. And he went into action. You see, the people who are the most good in this life are the ones who are most expectant of the next. There is coming a time when a son of man will ride on the clouds to rescue those who are oppressed by the beastly human kingdoms of man. And we know of the son of man and, and we know who he is and he is the head and the shepherd of the fellowship of the church. The shepherd sees the lion coming. He sees the bear coming. He sees the leopard coming. He sees the fourth beast coming. And he does not flee. He's there. He's with us. He's guiding us. He's sovereignly working. And righteousness will prevail. And the ancient of days will kill the beast. Even as the powers are said to exist for a season. Salvation will come. And Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And it's so important. Find your place at his feet. Say, come in. I want to live for you. I want to honor you with my life, regardless of what's ahead. You find that your life is like a raging sea, chaos, confusion, not sure what next decision needs to be made. Why don't you come to him? He holds the future in his hand. He's got this. You hang together. Don't let anybody cancel me. Don't let anybody cancel you, your businesses. Don't let anybody cancel anybody else, okay? 
You hang together. We're a community. This is what we do. This is how we live. We hang together. And there comes a time to resist. And when we do, we hang together and walk with him and love him and serve him. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you so much for our church family on this Memorial Day weekend. You're a good God. We thank you for the great plan of the ages. We thank you for pulling back the curtain and letting us see the final human kingdom. And even though we've only touched on it this morning, you let us see some things. And, and, and quite honestly, Father, I look around and I, I see a beast rising. I don't know the time frame. It might be decades. But I see a beast rising. I see the pieces. The stage is being set. It's just so clear to me. It's just being set each day. And Father, what they don't realize, they're playing into the sovereign hands of the Son of Man who's going to ride on a cloud into this planet. He's going to save and redeem and restore. Praise God. And I think what you're going to do in that big picture, you want to do this morning in the heart of people who are here. We can quiet our panic because you're in control. We can quiet our fear. We don't have to give in to the fear-mongering and the, and the anxiety that's so prevalent, blanketing our culture and our society. We don't have to give in to the confusion of what family and life and gender is. We don't have to give in to, in to any of that. You have positioned us on a good, strong, biblical worldview foundation. And we want to live that way with confidence, with a quiet sense of assurance, with joy in our hearts, where we enjoy our memorial days, we eat our steaks and spit our watermelon seeds and at seeds and ski on behind our boats and enjoy conversations with grandkids, all these wonderful things. You have freed us up to do these things because of your great sovereign hand. So this morning, even though the beast is rising, a Savior's coming. And that is our hope. And we want to surrender to you today. We want to walk with you today and live for you today. For your honor and your glory, we pray in your name. Amen. You've been a great group this morning. Daniel 7, next week. Read through it again. We'll take off and cover some ground. Blessings to you.